Welcome to the Sixers Mania podcast. Joining me today is Brett Ackerman as we discuss the Sixers draft, the Sixers free agency, as well as just the draft in general and free agency in general. Brett, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Billy. Great to be here. Always great to have you. Thanks for joining us. And so we're going to start chronologically here. We're going to talk about the Sixers draft. So my main takeaway from the draft that they had, I thought they had a great draft. I thought it was probably it was actually very eye-opening I was a huge Isaiah Joe guy we ended up getting him in the second round I was I liked Maxi. I didn't love him as much as most people but I had him 17 on my board and we ended up getting him at 21 it was a good pick he definitely fits the team had I done a Sixers centric big board he probably would have been a lot higher so I thought both picks were very good uh Paul Reed I'm not as big on as most people but he he certainly is athletic and he has a ton of defensive potential Stats don't wow you. His shooting form is so stiff, and I don't think he can shoot, and that's going to be the big question. With that being said, Brett, what did you think of their draft? Yeah, well, I'll start I'll start it backwards. So uh, you mentioned the Reed pick. I, for one, thought you got incredible value late in the second. Um, he might not be a guy who's ever going to be a starter, but the big issue with big guys in the NBA today tends to be the ability to guard the pick and roll, the ability to switch on to smaller guys. And there's really no fear that Reed can do that. At DePaul, you saw this ability. You saw the athleticism. He can guard both forward positions. And if needed to, he can probably guard either guard position. Um, he's got an NBA-ready body. And he's a guy who I think could shock you and even see some playoff minutes against some smaller teams when we don't want to put, let's say, an unathletic guy like Mike Scott in there. Um, moving on to the Isaiah Joe pick, I was incredibly worried when we promised him we were going to draft him, we would take him in the first round. Um, nothing against Isaiah Joe. I just didn't really think he had the physical aspects to be a first round talent. Um, just with our pace, you know, having Ben Simmons, we run such a fast pace. You kind of want to see, you know, your first round pick be a guy you can fit into that mold who can run the floor with Ben Simmons. And I think Maxie was. On the other hand, I know I loved Isaiah Joe as a pick in the second round. I thought it was incredible value. Shooting numbers certainly took a dip in his second year, but those free throw numbers climbed. And he's a guy who can really shoot from anywhere. Like he has that 40 foot range. And when you have such an issue of people who aren't willing to shoot, a guy who maybe pulled the trigger a little too much in college doesn't worry me. Because if anything, I'd rather have that than another guy who doesn't want to shoot the three ball as it seems we pick every year. Uh, moving on to Maxi, I think this was the best pick we could have made given that spot. Um, I know a lot of people wanted Tyrell Terry, but my thing about Maxi is he has the potential to fill what, at a different position, what we expected Tobias to be, that three-level score that we really need. I mean, he's already got a very developed mid-range game and driving game. And yeah, the three-point line in the three-point shot could use some work, but those free throw numbers are really encouraging. I mean, I like to compare him to a guy like a Luke Kennard, who didn't shoot the lights out his freshman year in college, as freshmen typically don't, but you saw that free throw number was really good, and it translated to the NBA into a great three-point shot. Not saying Maxie's going to have the three-point shot of a guy like Kennard, but given that he's already had a pretty developed mid-range inside game, I really think he has the potential to be the best three-level scorer on our team, the best shot creator on our team in the future. Short term, I see him as a great six-man Everyone made the Lou Williams comp. I didn't particularly love it because I think he's a better shooter than Williams. And I think he has a lot of defensive ability, but I think short-term that is what he's going to be. And then eventually you could see him maybe running the floor next to Ben Simmons being that secondary ball handler that we've really needed. You know, we don't want to see any more Alec Burks dribbling the ball. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And going, uh, okay, going on to Maxi too, just to talk about him slightly more. In terms of comparisons, you brought up a few there. The best one I've seen, and I like completely see, not in terms of best, in terms of like who is the best comparison that I'm hoping for, but the one that I think is most accurate is Donovan Mitchell without the athleticism. I think that's a great one. When you look at, you mentioned what we wanted from Tobias. Actually, I think he's he does a lot of the things that we wanted from Jimmy Butler in terms of creation. He's a great shot creator, and he I think shot creation is the most important skill in the NBA, and he has that. I think defense is second, and he has that. The question with him is the athleticism, the shot, like in terms of his three-point range. Now, you mentioned the free throw attempts, which is a great indicator of how he'll shoot at the next level. His free throw numbers are good, and he gets the line a decent amount, which I also love to see. So for him, it's size, athleticism, and if the shot goes in. Other than that, he's a home run. He's great and everywhere else, and I think he has the potential. He's more of the home run pick. Isaiah Joe was just the guy I wanted because he fit uh, he fit perfectly, kind of similar to how like Shamit was the one year. With Isaiah Joe, and the reason I had him higher is just because I think he's more guaranteed to fit in. And you mentioned his uh, three-point percentage numbers dumping. His attempts went up, and he was taking a lot of harder shots. That, he, that offense demanded way more of him in his second year. So it was understandable to see why. He took a lot of difficult attempts, and he made a lot of them. That's what you like to see. I have no question about a shot. He can pull up from anywhere, it seems. So... I, I'm a huge fan of Isaiah Joe. And defensively, I think he can hang around more than people think. I think he's a solid defender. He's actually got great size, not in terms of weight, but he's 6'6", six, six, around that height. And his weight, if he just fills out his frame, which is easily fixable, that can work. I, and you mentioned a lot of people on Tyrell Terry. I also wanted Tyrell Terry at 21. It's not a huge deal, though. The thing with Tyrell Terry is I thought he just fit better on this team. He had shot creation skills from three-point range. But honestly, Maxie's better everywhere else. Like, I don't think there's a single thing that, that Terry's better at outside of shooting the three, creating shots of three, and just being an off-ball three shooter. I thought that yeah, was that pretty was good. that was very much my opinion. Yeah. No, go on. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. I, that was pretty much my opinion. I thought Terry was a safer pick just due to the – we've seen the three go in with him, and as that's kind of what the – I would say the theme of the summer has been getting three-point shooting. Yeah, that made more sense. But I truly believe that his form is okay. And with the free throw percentage being that kind of indicator, I think Maxi develops the shot. And just having all of those other tools, the defensive capability, uh, the ability to drive, I, I really like the pick. Mentioning Paul Ritu, I wasn't disinterested in the pick. I was more so disinterested in the player. I had him 41 on my board, but I also – I didn't look at a ton of people. I only looked at 43. But I looked at people that interest me, so he at least mildly – piqued my interest when I heard about who he was and everything. Cause it's not like I was brief. I was watching DePaul games during the season or anything. So Reed, I think he was a great pick at 58 because that's 17 spots below where I had him. But as you mentioned, he's very athletic. I do think he can defend at the next level, but if he can't shoot, I'm not really too interested in because it, especially with this team, it looks like we're going to run him with Dwight or Joel, but for the future, certainly. Yeah, well, my big question was, after selecting Maxi, after selecting Joe, considering all the moves we've made this offseason to get Green, to get Curry, what's our backup, like, what's the rotation really going to look like? I think our guards, not that we have a log jam for sure, but I think we have enough guards to where we can put a pretty good backcourt together. But on the other hand, I don't really know who's going to be playing the four when, let's say, Tobias has to come off. Yeah, I completely agree. And we'll get into the trades right now. So what and my thoughts on that question that you asked right there 
is I actually think Terrence Ferguson is going to be playing the four a lot more than most people. I think he's going to be in the rotation. I think he'll be in there. I also think Mike Scott's going to be back in the rotation just because of sheer size, not because of skill. We, free agency isn't over for us. So if we, and we do have a mid-level exception available. I've heard theories that we're just going to wait until the buyout market to guys get someone we like more. I would have really liked Jeff Green in that role, but it appears that, well, Jeff Green signed somewhere and there's not really a ton of other people that I like out there. So I really do think it's going to be a buyout guy. We will see. But currently, I think Scott and Ferguson are going to be playing that four. And then we're going to be running a lot of either Isaiah Joe or one of these other uh, court maws you're going to be seeing at the three. And then Maxie will be back up too, along with Jake Milton. And then I think, are, are we both in agreement that the starting lineup is going to be Seth Curry, Danny Green, and then our three, Ben Simmons, Tobias, Joel? Are you in agreement? Yeah, just based off just based off of experience, I think that Curry and Green have both earned those starting spots regardless. I don't think we're going to be, you know, hearing about, oh, are we going to start one of the rookies? Um, and I also think that's the best guys to surround Ben Simmons with to ensure success and maybe see him grow a bit. So, yeah, I, I'm in agreement with that. Yeah, so I think in with that, I think that'll definitely be how it is to start. I think you could maybe see, depending on how good Maxi is, I think he could get into that lineup maybe at some point during the season. He certainly won't start there in the beginning of the season. But I also think you could see Shake Milton interchangeably with Seth Curry based off if we want a little bit more creation. Curry's not as great of a creator where Shake Milton's a little bit better of a creator, but Curry's a way better shooter. I think Curry's going to be great with Ben Simmons. That was another thing that this entire draft process has signified with me that we're really committed to Ben Simmons and Embiid. But as we mentioned, we haven't even, we've mentioned the draft, we haven't even mentioned the trades. So we traded... Josh Richardson and the 36th pick for Seth Curry. My thoughts on that trade, and then I'll go to you. My thoughts are that Seth Curry just fits better. I don't think he's as good of a player as Josh, but he only makes $8 million a year, and he has a longer deal. Joe Harris just got paid four years, $75 million, I believe. So when you look at guys like that, like Seth Curry is basically just a shorter version of Joe Harris, but he actually shoots a better percentage and similar volume. So – he works perfectly with Ben Simmons. He's more of a spot up guy. You would like to have a little bit more creation ability, but he's great as long as we can get that creation ability from someone else on the team. What are your thoughts on that deal? Um, you know, I loved it. I was really excited and a little bit shocked that the deal went through because kind of referring to that Joe Harris deal, the market for these spot up shooters is incredible. I mean, it doesn't matter if they can do anything else. If you shoot over 40% from three, you get a long-term huge deal. So to lock him up for what is it? Three more years, eight million a year? Yes, I believe it is. I think well, two years after this year, Josh Richardson was on a one-year deal, and with a player option, I think yeah, he could have opted in, but he probably would not have. This was likely his last year, and I don't know if ownership would be willing to pay the tax to retain him, considering he's not a good fit. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie. If you you know took a team with no players and said your first pick is either Curry or Richardson. I would probably take Richardson, but given our situation, he just didn't fit. Josh Richardson simply cannot be the fourth or fifth fifth option on a team. He needs the ball in his hands. And we don't have the time between Tobias and Bede and Ben needing the ball. We don't have the time to give Josh the ball for him to chuck up a mid-range shot or stand there and do nothing. Um, I think Seth Curry doesn't really need the ball in his hands and he allows it to kick it out, whether it's Embiid in the post or Simmons bringing up the ball. And I think it really just, you know, creates a better chemistry, um, a better synergy within the team. Um, giving up the second round pick, 
uh, due to how, I don't know how to put this, not top heavy this draft was, how kind of deep and you didn't really know a guy could go 15 or a guy could go in the second round. Like a guy like Isaiah Joe, we didn't know if we were taking him in the first or the second. And a lot of people would have been happy in either spot. Um, like you saw, I think Maladin went with that pick. Um, you know, I don't really watch a lot of foreign basketball, so I can't really speak on it. But I know like preseason, he was talked about as a lottery pick. So, yeah, we might have given up some value, but just given the contract, I really think it was worth it. Yeah, you mentioned that. But I think if we stayed at 36, we were probably taking Isaiah Joe anyway. And then it depends maybe wherever where we took Isaiah Joe. Maybe we take Paul Reed and then maybe we take someone else. But like it appears we're happy with who we got. We got three players, two of them I think will be in the rotation. Not so sure about Paul Reed. So that second round pick really didn't matter to me as long as we got Joe later. So it was a worthwhile gamble. I think like I look at it pretty much as Josh Richardson for for Seth Curry straight up because I do think we would have taken Joe at 36 anyway. And we ended up getting him later. So it sucks that you have to eat the asset for it, but it really worked out for us. So I thought it was a good trade, even though I do think Josh Richardson is a slightly better player. There's a stat. Ben Simmons led the league in kickout passes last year with 17.8. Seth Curry led the NBA in catch and shoot three point percentage at 49%. 49% is ridiculous, by the way. That's every other time he shoots it, he is going to make it, give or take a percentage. So that is absurd. JJ Reddick probably shot less on catch and shoot. I mean, considering that Seth Curry led it, but even when JJ was here, he probably didn't shoot nearly as much. So I think they're going to be a perfect match together. I'm excited to see what they can do together. And then the other large trade that we made, speaking of eating an asset, we traded Al Horford. 34th pick as well as the 2025 top six protected first round pick for Danny Green and that was and Terrence Ferguson and that's all but my thoughts really quickly on that we clearly had to get rid of Al I would have I I thought we were in such a mess with Al Horford just because I didn't really see a team that would take him but if you just sold him for nothing then he wouldn't help you because he doesn't give you cap space for this year even though we would shed his salary but getting Danny Green, Danny Green's a high-end role player. Lakers fans hated him the entire year. It was kind of similar to this, how the Sixers fans felt about Covington, I felt like, where the guy plays lockdown defense. He hits roughly 35% of his threes on a high volume, but people hate him just because it seems like that 35% is when they're taking so many of them. It seems like they just miss all the time. But I like Danny Green. He's still a good defender. He's clearly a little bit past his prime, but he fits perfectly. We really just need a guy who can shoot threes. We don't need a guy who needs the ball in his hands. We need that the ball to go to. Tobias Simmons and Bede. So I'm a huge fan of Danny Green, even though he has taken lost a step. But if he can, I mean, even two years ago at this point, when he was with the Raptors, he was he was shooting mid 40s on three point percentage. He had a high volume and he was playing lockdown defense. So he might not be too washed. It might just be a one year sample size where the three shooting went down a little bit. We will see. Huge fan of Danny Green. We got rid of the Al contract and Danny Green expires after this year. So if there's a way we can trade Tobias Harris, maybe for an expiring maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, then we would actually have room to sign a free agent like Victor Oladipo or one of the other guys in the upcoming free agency class that's considered loaded. We will see. It's considered loaded, but we're not going to be in the market for a Giannis or anything like that. So we will see. Anyway, your thoughts on the Al Horford trade. Um, yeah, I'll start with Danny Green. Um, I love the comparison you made, even though if it wasn't about game between Green and Covington, because I think that they are very similar players. I mean, obviously I'd prefer Covington, but that's the type of guy we missed. We missed a guy who had the defensive versatility, didn't need the ball in his hands and could just stand in the corner and shoot when you give it to him. Um, You know, one thing, one of the hardest things to watch about the Sixers last year is 
when Ben Simmons drove and kicked, you knew that ball wasn't going in. Didn't matter who it was going to. There was no one who you were like, oh, yeah, this is automatic. When you watch a good team, you expect those kickout passes to the corner to be automatic. Now we got a guy like Danny Green, who maybe he's not automatic, but is fairly reliable. And a guy like Curry, who, I mean, there is no automatic, but he's the closest thing to it. Um, so I like Danny Green. Um, I think an underrated aspect of it is he's a guy who has been in the big, you know, has played in the big games. You know, he's been, he was on the Spurs and he was on the Raptors and he was on the Lakers, three championships or four. Did he have two with the Spurs? I, I think he was there. I think they have two. I'm not, not quite sure about that. Three or four, you know, we'll get, we'll make a range, but it's just nice to have a veteran with some actual winning experience. Um, we are a very young team. Like we do really rely on guys who have, while they have playoff experience, they haven't really been to many big matchups, haven't been past the second round. So that's just something you add to it. Um, you know, a comp presence, Danny Green's not really, he's a good guy in the locker room to have, in my opinion. And, you know, we'll probably talk about it later, but we brought in someone who was a bit questionable in the locker room. So balance it out. Um, yeah, I mean, they played getting... together last year, the, the aforementioned uh, potential bad locker room player, and they won a championship together. Danny Green's a three-time champion, by the way. So anyway, going on, <laughs> what were you saying? Um, so going off of that, getting rid of that albatross of a contract we gave to Horford. Um, I think the cap flexibility we got out of this trade is being a bit overvalued simply because of the other albatross of Tobias Harris's contract. Um, but like you said, um, if we can find a way to get Tobias off of the team for an expiring deal, maybe either packaging, you know, an, another asset, but who knows? I mean, I don't know what the value for Tobias Harris is. Look at the deal Gordon Hayward just got for a similar kind of player. So there might be a team who wants him, um, but I think it is really nice. Um, we have a little more money to fill out the team going forward. Um I think one of the biggest issues with Al wasn't that he was a bad player. It's that when you give a guy a contract like that, you're forced to play him because if not, the fans get mad and management gets mad. And I think being forced to play Al, the amount of minutes we did, we were kind of just making the team worse for no particular reason. Him and Joel simply cannot coexist together. Al is not that spot up three point shooter that we saw against us in the playoffs in 2017, 2018. I'm very satisfied with the deal. I think I thought we'd have to give up a lot more. Yeah, I agree, but I thought we'd have to give up a lot more. You brought up a lot of things that I want to mention too. First of all, the Gordon Hayward, we mentioned in light, that contract is fucking ridiculous. I looked at him <laughs> as if he would like, I thought he would have the same value as Al Horford. If Al Horford was on free agency, if he was on a one-year deal, people wouldn't be like, all right, let's give him 30 million a year. Like Al Horford makes less than that right now. The Gordon Hayward contract is absurd. He was, he's been injured the last like three years. He was a great player before he was injured but he's been injured for so long and he's a solid player. He's not amazing. And you mentioned like, everyone's like, Oh, I don't want to go near the Tobias contract, but Tobias is a better player than Gordon Hayward at this point. It's, I don't even think it's particularly close. So I, maybe there is a team you can dump Tobias on. I was actually hoping before they signed him that we could trade him to Charlotte for Nick Batum and just get Tobias's contract yep. off our books. That was, that was Unfortunately, the same they waived him. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately they waived him. So that's no longer a possibility. And I would have to look at more Tobias trade destinations, but I, I thought it was just crazy. And going on another thing people mentioned with the cap flexibility, you're hundred percent right that it is overrated in our cap flexibility, because just because we got rid of Al Horford and he has makes $26 million a year, even when Danny Green's contract contract comes off the books, we don't have $26 million to spend in free agency. 
people don't understand that. So I'm just going to quick explain it right now. We were only able to sign Al Horford because Ben Simmons rookie contract or his extension did not kick in that year. So Ben Simmons was only making around 7 million last year. So we had a lot more in cap space. And then you're over, you're allowed to sign over the cap to retain bird rights if you have their bird rights. So that's why we were able to sign Ben Simmons to a huge contract and potentially play with Al, Tobias, Horford, and Embiid all playing on huge contracts. Again, a lot of people don't understand that, including friend of the pod, Justin Maltz, but me explaining it for the hopefully the last time, people do not seem to understand that we have not gained any cap flexibility, really, unless we trade Tobias. So anyway, that was my quick little rant on that. I mean, going back to the draft really quickly, I mean, we mentioned, I forgot to bring this up at the time, but was there any other teams that you liked or disliked what they did on the draft? I, in particular, hated the Celtics draft. I agree. I, I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. As a six, I love to say that because every year, every year I say, "Wow, I love." It's it's like the Cowboys. I say, "Wow, I loved their draft." Too bad it's them. Um, but I really think that that team. Look, it's it's hard to say this, and I think the Hayward deal to Charlotte was terrible. But Hayward provided that team what they needed. You know, he, he could handle the ball a bit because Kemba's not the best ball handler in the world. Um, he's more of a scoring point guard and Tatum yeah, and good, Brown, but when you ask him to do a ton, it gets a little out of hand. They saw in the playoffs. He was, they, they really did. It was really the Tatum and Brown show, but yeah, go on. Yeah. I think Hayward can be that second or third ball handler because you watched him in Utah. I mean, I, I who was the point guard back then? Was it Neto? Moutier, maybe? Well, oh my God. yeah. Moody, probably. But Moutier, yeah, I mean, was the guy there you know he was playing like a lebron type role just not to that level yeah i mean you are the official um, jazz so, fan know, you... of the uh sixers mania podcast so mm-hmm. i mean the jazz correspondent brett ackerman so it's great to see that insight i i agree that gordon hayward was once good by the way i'm not uh and he did help a little bit last year and they did just lose him so that sucks for them but i anyway go on i mean okay i can't pretend that i am you know i've watched a ton of Nathan film but if I were them, all I would have looked for was a guy who can be like a point forward and a center. You know, I just, I really think that team needs another ball handler. And I don't know, let me, let me pull up maybe Naismith's stats. Yeah. And while you're doing that, you mentioned how you did not watch a lot of Naismith film, obviously. No one did, but also no one did because there's not a lot of film to watch. He was injured at Vanderbilt and he played at Vanderbilt. He was playing terrible teams and he has such a small sample size in terms of what his stats are. So I'll go with my thoughts on the Naismith pick while you're going with that. And as well as Peyton Pritchard. Naismith, like I thought it was fine value, but there were so many guys dropping that I thought were just better than Naismith. So why, why would you take him? Um, I, I had Naismith lower than I had Tyrese Maxey. And as mentioned, I wasn't even that huge on Tyrese Maxey. I think, yeah, RJ Hampton was there when they picked him. I'm not sure if Kyra Lewis was taking the pick before, but there were there were a ton of guys that I felt like they could have taken that would have just been much better value. And they would go with Naismith. Like at that point, either trade back or trade your pick for a player that can help you win now. Naismith's just another shooter. They almost, I mean, there were talks of them doing a sign trade with Doug McDermott and Miles Turner for Gordon Hayward, but then they got too greedy. But like Doug McDermott does the exact same same thing that Naismith does like he probably could have just traded the pick for that and he can play now so I thought that was a little bit of a reach he has injury issues and he can't really do much else besides shoes that's that's always not promising and then the same thing 
they took Peyton Pritchard when Desmond Bain was on the board. I think De- the Desmond Bain hype was a little too much, but Desmond Bain is certainly a better player than Peyton Pritchard, in my opinion. Peyton Pritchard kind of reminds me of TJ McConnell if he could shoot threes, I guess, which is a solid player if that is the case. Bain, though, just looks like that solidified role player that you can just slide into any lineup. He can play two, he can play three. He can defend either position at an okay level. Even though his shot looks weird, he can shoot a little bit. But he, he's just a solid player. You don't have to worry about him. It's not, he's not a liability when he's on the floor. Pritchard might be a liability depending on who he's going against. So I thought that was a little weird. They took, like, if you wanted to contend right now, do what the Grizzlies did. They took Desmond Bain and they took a few other guys I loved. And I mentioned drafts I loved. I loved the Grizzlies draft. They didn't have any picks in the first round until they traded two seconds for the 30th pick. And then they later got a, they had two other selections. I forget who they took right away, but they also took Killian Tilly, who I had as a first round talent as an undrafted free agent. So I thought the Grizzlies did a great job, but not to get too far. You got Naismith's uh, stats up, I assume. Yeah, I took a look at him. I mean, I think you summed it up well, but I'll move on to that Pritchard pick because I actually think that was a very interesting pick. Um, They let a guy go in Wanamaker who, the backup point guard on the Celtics is more important than the backup point guard on every other team. And it's been that way for quite a bit. Um, Before Wanamaker, you had, I think it was Shane Larkin, and he did a great job Um, because they've had score first point guards for a bit. They had guys who weren't necessarily natural, you know, they're natural they had ball Marcus Smart in that role. Yeah, and Marcus Smart's not really like that natural ball handle, like you mentioned. Now they use him as a two-guard, which is what he should be doing. Anyway, go on. Yeah, exactly. You don't have that, you know, ball handling in that second rotation. There are times where you might want Kemba Walker, not, I'm not saying playing the two, but I don't know. I don't see him as a true point guard. I don't see him. He's, he can't defensively play the two. But I never want to rely on him to be my primary passer. And I think they did a good job. I think Wanamaker was a pretty good passer. I think Larkin did the job incredibly. I think, like you mentioned, maybe Pritchard turns into TJ McConnell plus, and then maybe that's exactly what they need. But defensively, he's small. He's not super athletic. Yeah, he can shoot. He can shoot. He can score in the Pac-12 when he's the main guy as a super, as a, what was he, a senior? Or was he a redshirt senior? But did they even do that basketball? Senior, but I don't have it up in front of me. I think. Maybe it was a redshirt. I don't know. Maybe it was a redshirt junior. I don't know. But he's old. Yeah, I watched him. He's certainly old. I mean, I like. I don't only pay attention. These guys are only once on on my radar once they are about to declare for the draft, essentially. So for Pritchard, he really just came onto my radar when I was like, oh, he actually looks like he might be an NBA player. I don't mind Pritchard, but it it was just a reach. There were so many guys falling that I thought were available and they could have taken instead. But um, moving on from the Celtics really quickly. I'm just going to mention uh, a team that I liked. The Kings, they got Halliburton at 13. I thought Halliburton was wildly overrated by most people. A lot of people were saying, like, oh, he's the second or third or fourth or fifth best player in this draft. I thought he got – I think – I thought I just liked him more than most people, but I think I had him, like, around 11. So they actually got good value for me. They, he was higher on my board than where he went, and I didn't like him as much. So I'm sure other people love him, but I think he's a great fit with Vox. My issues with him was I didn't think he could be a lead ball handler. You put him with a – surefire lead ball handler and De'Aaron Fox that question kind of goes away now it's more just about the shooting aspect of it we will see how that translates but I thought it was a great pick great fit for the Kings and then additionally they picked up Robert Woodard in the second round I had Robert Woodard in the 20s on my board and they got him at pick 40 thought it was a great selection he's got a great NBA body he's he's built like a brick house but he is just he has like a Kawhi Leonard body and he was taken in the second round he's huge he's athletic he can maybe shoot. We'll see. That's going to be the big question with him. But I thought the Kings had a great draft. I'm 
I'm also always slightly biased towards the Kings because of my love of De'Aaron Fox and formerly of Bogdanovich, who is now gone, but oh well. So that's what I'd say for those aspects. Sticking with the division and drafts we hated, I thought the Knicks had a fucking terrible draft. By the way, DeMarcus Cousins signing with the Houston Rockets, finally getting the big they needed, so I guess they have him and Wood now. Anyway, breaking news at the time of this podcast. I forgot he was still in the league. Well, he's coming off. I of saw Della Vadova sign today. I was like, oh, my God, yeah, that guy's Cavs. still around. Right. But, yeah, the Knicks, going back to the Knicks real quickly from that aside, the – so I had I hated Obi Toppin more than most people. So it really depends on what you think of Obi Toppin, if it if you think I have a good draft. But both quickly and Obi Toppin, I had below Maxi and Isaiah Joe. And this was not a Sixer centric board that I had. It was just a like a general NBA board for the slots would move a little bit depending on what the team needed. But the Sixers picked those guys with twenty one and forty nine, right? So we got two guys I thought were better than the first two guys that they took. Like I thought I had Isaiah Joe better than I had Obi Toppin. I actually like quickly more than most people, but it was still reached. I, they could have just stayed at there where they were and took RJ Hampton. I thought it would have revitalized their draft. I thought they would have had a great draft if that were the case, but they passed off on them. They took, they took quickly. And then Obi Toppin, my issues with him, I've mentioned it on the previous pod. I don't think he can defend perimeter guys and he's not a rim protector. So who does he defend? I don't know. He defends the, the Mike Scott's of the world, I guess. So with Obi Toppin, and also like you already have Mitchell Robinson as a lob threat. Do you need a second lob threat? I know Obi Toppin can shoot, so it's not a huge deal, but Mitchell Robinson's their best player currently. They should, I'm not saying that you need to build around Mitchell Robinson. It's not like he's an amazing player or anything, but he's their best player. He's a young player. He's athletic. He certainly works in the NBA as like just a role guy. So for them, I, I mean, the killing Hayes would have been perfect for them. He got taken a pick right before, but for me, RJ Hampton, one of these guys, even Devin Vassell, I thought would have been better. There were plenty of guys that I liked that were available. Denny Advija, even Avia, even though he can't shoot, I thought he would have been great. But in terms of talent, I thought he was a he shouldn't have been there, in my opinion. But yeah, I thought the Knicks had a terrible draft. And that's not singling out the fact that we know and are friends with a few Knicks fans that hated it, but just just awful. Yeah, I mean Toppin. That's a difficult guy to evaluate because the success you you can't ignore the success he had at the college level. I mean, turning that program into a top ten, top five team. I mean, there's guys who you say they can do it all, but then you look at them and you're like, they're not really good at anything though. And I think Toppin kind of falls into that, except he's bad at defense. He is. Yeah, and and really quickly on Toppin, you mentioned his college success. Maybe he had college success because he's 22 years old right now. And he is extremely old for a lottery pick. I'm not against it. If you take the best player, no matter how old they are, but he only was good in his recent years. And to me, he looks like he reminded me so much of Derek Williams at Arizona. Derek Williams went second because he would overpower guys with his athleticism and his strength. He's not stronger than NBA guys though. He's not more athletic than NBA guys though. And going to his athleticism, one of the first things you'll read on any scouting report is how explosive Obi Toppin is. He's a great leaper, but he's not particularly quick. He doesn't, when he sets a pick, he doesn't like, dive to the rim and just get in there. I think like Nerlens Noel is better than that, who they also signed that Mitchell Robinson's better at that. So he's not, I don't think he's a particularly good NBA role guy. I have no idea what he really does outside of get put back dunks and can maybe shoot a little bit. Anyway, that's, that's it. For no, I completely agree. And you know what? Maybe I hope he actually, I don't hope he proves me wrong. Maybe he will, but I, I agree. I don't really see what he does at the next level. 
Um, I didn't think Halliburton was the guy they should have taken. Um, although that was to me would have made a little bit more sense. Um, I, I get that Barrett, you know, he's kind of a shot creator, I guess. And you're looking for, I think they needed a playmaker. I really think yeah. that was what they need. Halliburton also, and, I think would fit perfectly, even though I thought it, would, it might be a little bit of a reach on the talent. Halliburton, I think is like a perfect fit with RJ Barrett. As you mentioned, he's a little bit of a shot creator, but RJ's kind of a point guard, but he's not quite a point guard. You need another guard with him. That kind of a guard would describe like Tyrese Halliburton, who I said, I'm not sure about his capabilities being a lead guard, but if he has RJ Barrett on his team, he doesn't need to be a lead guard. So even though I thought that would have been a little bit more of a reach, I thought it would have been a perfect fit and I could completely understand it where I can't with Obi Toppin. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, personally, Halliburton is one of my favorite players in the draft. Um, You just watched him play. And I don't know, to me, like, I don't want to say Damian Lillard. He just seemed to have that it factor. Like he had the confidence his shot form is ugly. Like, I'm not going to pretend it's not ugly, it's but so it goes ugly, in. But it went in. Yeah, it did. And, and he, it went in at a very good percentage. And, like, all analytics, his catch-and-shoot numbers were amazing. All of that analytics are just off the charts. He's one of the greatest, like, analytics darlings we've seen in years in the NBA draft. So, depending on what you think of those, you tell it. I test for me. And his passing vision was incredible, like, from a, a non-analytics thing. Like, you would just see him make these crazy passes. It was kind of Lonzo-esque bunch of other players i think you could compare him to but yeah i agree with you in the general sense yeah you know what i think that is who they should have taken now that i'm looking back at it. i think that should i mean you know i obviously like i was i was interested in the israeli guy that would have been cool to see him in new york but yeah, we, we have a huge jewish following here at sixers mania so just seeing the israeli coming in it would be like amari stoudemire 2.0 just two just two <laughs> jewish basketball players carrying the load representing all of israel and moses so I really, really, I'm rooting for Avdia. I, I'm going to be honest. I think the Wizards are good, is a good spot for him. Yeah, that's another team that I could see that team ending up being like the next Orlando Magic, maybe a little better. Where or just, just in floating. terms of like eight seed or seven seed and like no future. I mean, I love the Hachimura pick last year. I think he's a do-it-all kind of guy. And I don't think he's an Obi Toppin do-it-all kind of guy. I think he can do some stuff incredibly well. I think he's you know, a good defender, which is probably the big difference. Not the best, but. In, in, uh, if you mentioned, you mentioned Rui though, Rui was a terrible defender at college though. And he doesn't look terrible in the NBA as a defender. So maybe, maybe Obi Toppin has the same thing where he just has the size and the athleticism to become a better defender. Who knows? But, uh, that's I guess. Fair. That's a fair point. Yeah. yeah. I guess we can, um, we'll, we'll head back to the Sixers now. I think that's a, that's a fair point on the, it's good enough on the NBA draft. Like I said, going chronologically, so free agency comes. It's very quiet for us. We don't do anything for a little bit. The rumors were we were going to sign Nerlens Noel. People were waiting for Nerlens' return. He's Joel's buddy. We're like, wow, this team's going to love each other. They're going to have great chemistry. And then, bam, we signed Dwight Howard after he originally was expected to go back to the Lakers. He announced he was. He tweeted he was coming back to the Lakers. It was reported by Shams and Woj that he was going back to the Lakers. But then either the Lakers pulled the offer, maybe the Sixers offer hadn't come yet. Who knows? He ends up signing with the Sixers for the veteran minimum. Dwight Howard, notoriously terrible locker room guy. We seem to have a ton of Dwight Howard fans in our friend group, myself included. I I always love Dwight Howard, so I actually think it's a great signing as a player. But wow, it it is uh, it's unexpected. I really did not expect to see him in a Sixers uniform. Didn't like I like I like the fit. But wow, uh, 
every team he goes to hates him. So that is certainly troubling. But my real quickly, his stats, he was like, he was incredibly efficient last year because he got rid of the post-ups. All he did was just, he was like, I'm a roll guy. I'm a put back guy. I'm not going to touch the ball at any time in the half court offense, unless it's a pick and lob. So his efficiency on offense was off the charts and his defensive numbers are great as always. He's always going to be a great defender. He's still super athletic, but I thought the signing from a talent perspective, hundred percent with it. He maybe is slightly better than Nerlens Noel. I'm, I'm always, I like Nerlens Noel more than most people do. I think his analytic numbers are incredible. I, I love how agile he is and just how he rolls the rim. So I'm a little higher on Nerlens, but even if you're anti Dwight, his, he was on the court. He was incredible last year, even though if he looked unplayable at the playoffs, I think that's mostly him playing with Davis, but just for a backup center, all we need him for is if Joel's playing 30 minutes, we need him to play 18 minutes. If it's a closer game, which knowing the Sixers, they'll all be close. We only need him to play 10 to 12. So it'll be interesting to see what he does for this team. Um, I think he's got some consistent minutes and then if Joel gets injured, he'll slide in pretty seamlessly. It's a little weird that we don't have a stretch five given what we need with Ben Simmons from a shooting perspective, I think we all want to see him with the stretch five and just have a wide open driving lane. But I think he can maybe I'll unlock him in the pick and roll because we haven't had a great pick and roll center ever. Even Joel's not a great pick and roll center. I know some of that's Ben Simmons, but I do think some of it's on Joel too. So with Dwight Howard, he's just an excellent pick and roll guy. He sets a pick, he explodes the rim, he dunks. Great. Love him. So what are your thoughts on Dwight Howard? I'll start with the thing that I was waiting to say, the pick and roll game. I really think that's something this offense was missing. Um, And I think that's more on Joel than it is on Ben. You know, I just don't think Joel is willing to set as many screens as he should be. He'd rather shoot. He'd rather stand on the three-point line and shoot. And when you're a stretch five, you can do that, but he's not. And I think Dwight Howard is willing to do the dirty work, set the screens, and when he gets rewarded, he'll be happy. I think the number was 73% he shot from the field last year. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's I mostly like- coming at the rim, but still, like, just incredible offense. You have a 74% chance every time he shoots the ball that's going in, you know, shooting at the rim, mostly. But still, and as you mentioned with Joel, really quickly, too, might have been a coaching thing, too. So maybe we see that Doc Rivers is much more reliant on the pick and roll. Brett Brown hated the pick and roll. I thought that was mostly personnel driven. I thought the personnel dictated what Brett Brown did. I defend Brett Brown more than most people. But yeah, Doc Rivers might be, we might be running heavy pick and roll next year. We will see. Go on about Dwight Howard, though. I'd like to see it. Yeah, what alarms me is the locker room thing. I mean, I'm a huge Dwight Howard fan. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Don't think it's arguable. I think he's he the best definitely. center that I've ever seen play. Um, I don't think anyone else comes close from what I've seen. Well, Joel's going to be but, the next in line. Obviously, we're a bit too young for Shaq. But but Joel has basically taken the torch in terms of the next great center. And then maybe Jokic, we'll see. But I, fuck Jokic. But anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah, but... The issue with Dwight obviously is that locker room stuff. And yeah, I mean, he pleaded to the Lakers. He said, I promise I won't make you regret this. And he, he kept his word and he played really well. He, you know, I think he played around 18, 19 minutes a game, shot well, rebounded well, defended well. But he's also playing with LeBron, who is either yeah, the first Le- grade player yeah. ever or the second greatest player ever, no matter who you are. I don't think there's any and, arguing and- hundred percent. And LeBron's going to hold him accountable. And like, he like Dwight's going to respect LeBron because of that stance. If like Ben Simmons hasn't really shown any leadership, Joel has shown a little bit more, I guess, but on, but not really like everyone last year, they kept talking about how Tobias has been like the leader of this team. You think he's going to respect Tobias? I don't respect Tobias. I'm, I'm me. I can't do anything. 
if he told me to do something on, on the court, it'd be like, go fuck yourself. So I think it's interesting with Dwight Howard, like you said, like as we were kind of getting to there with when he has LeBron Davis, he's going to respect those guys. But LeBron's done it before Davis is clearly like the best big in the league. So I think he's got to respect that. With We don't have that on the Yeah. Team. One of the things I hate about this team is we are one of the most, un- I'm not talking about fouls. I'm just talking about in general, undisciplined teams in the league. I mean, when your two-star players refuse to do the one thing that they're asked of, for Joel, it's conditioning, for Ben, it's trying to shoot. It's been three years. You know, Joel's still fat, and Ben still won't shoot. And I know I love the two guys, but neither you're right. Neither of them can hold Dwight accountable. And, yeah, I mean, I guess Tobias has a book club, and Tobias, you know, is the leader of the team. But what he what's he going to say? Some guy with no all-stars who's getting paid – $200 million to miss shots. He's not going to listen to him. So really like, what are we going to rely on? Danny Green's going to keep him in check. I think we might see the signing blow up in our face where for $3 million, we get a guy in Nerland's Noel who they're just, in our system, they're going to be the same player. I mean, Nerland's if anything is a little more switchable and that's really the big difference. Yeah, I completely agree. I would have preferred Nerlens, but I mean, maybe Nerlens wasn't willing to take the minimum. He's like, I'd rather just go to New York. I'd probably have more chance to start there, even though I still think Mitchell Robinson will still be the starter there. But yeah, I agree with you on the Dwight stuff. But, um, and as you mentioned with Tobias, I think Tobias, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I plan on getting them up. I would not be shocked if Dwight Howard averaged more points per game in the playoffs than, than Tobias did, is all I'm saying. Tobias was completely obscure. I'll, I'll pull it up later when we talk about another stuff just to see if I'm right. But I, I swear it's not that much difference, even though Dwight was getting benched <laughs> for games. So anyway, next thing we'll get in terms of what the Sixers actually did. They traded Zaire Smith for Tony Bradley. Tony Bradley was previously just traded along with a pick just so that they could dump the contract. And then we trade for Tony Bradley, who, as previously mentioned, was dumped along with a draft pick for Zaire Smith, who was a higher pick more recently than Tony Bradley was. Uh, Zaire was taken in 2018, whereas Tony Bradley was taken 2017. Zaire was in, taken in the teens, whereas Tony Bradley was taken in the late 20s. I know we need another big because with Joel and Ben getting injured, I, or not Joel and Ben, but Joel getting injured, and then if Joel does get injured, it's like, where are we going to play Dwight Howard 48 minutes? Or are we going to try Ben Simmons at the five? Or are we going to try Mike Scott at the five? We don't have size. So I understand that we need another big. I just would not have traded Zaire for Tony Bradley, who I don't even think is an NBA player at this point. What are your thoughts on the Zaire trade? We kind of had a similar, we talked about it yesterday, but what are your thoughts? Look, no offense to Tony Bradley. You know, I got to enjoy him in Utah as a guy who got like 10 minutes a game sometimes. But we know what Tony Bradley is. He's just, he's a body. That's really all he is. He's a body. He's never going to get significant minutes. He's not an incredible rebounder. I mean, he showed some flashes of being able to shoot, but I think he might've shot like 10 threes in his career. I saw a few go in. That's what I can say about him. Whereas I hear Smith, I can, I pulled up the G league stats earlier. I mean, he's a guy who's putting up 13 points a game in the G league about a steal, a couple assists, a few rebounds, shooting very well from three, shooting 38% from three last year. And the big thing is, and I I talked about this when I talked about the Al Horford contract, think about the fans. We traded Mikel Bridges, a home guy, you know, Villanova, mom worked for the Sixers, for this bum. 
at least let's see him play one game, like for more than five minutes. I don't know. I just don't, I don't know if it was saving a couple hundred dollars. I don't know if Zaire just hated it here and needed to like a Markel Fultz situation. So my thoughts on that, uh, Bradley actually makes slightly more. So you, you could package, you can't trade them yet. But during the season, we could package Bradley, we could package Mike Scott, and we could package uh, Danny Green, maybe, depending on whatever contracts we want to give up. Terrence Ferguson, we can package all those guys and make a huge trade involving those contracts because the salaries would match. So Tony Bradley actually makes us slightly more. The only difference is Zaire had one more year left on his deal, and we had to decide whether to pick up his option or not. We obviously were not going to, even if he was on the team. And you mentioned with Zaire, you called him a bum, which fair but Zaire he just he almost got killed by a sesame allergy in his first year and then after losing a ton of weight and everything he comes back in his second year he plays in the G League and then now we're just like all right he's he's not he's he's done so I think I don't think he was given a fair shake I know it's a first round pick we're kind of impatient with this and and he didn't show any signs but I thought he I think he can develop into a three and D player I do believe in the defense his athleticism is still off the charts so it's it's whatever. We did have a glut of guards slash wings. So I, di- I didn't really see a path for playing time here. But even if you just keep him in the G League again, I would have preferred to have Zaire Smith than Tony Bradley, a plotting center. Because I don't I don't even want Tony Bradley to play for us. Where Zaire, like I could, I wouldn't be mad if he played. But if Tony Bradley's in, I feel like he's just an absolute liability. So anyway, that's, that's kind of yeah, to I wrap mean, it up on that. The, I'll, I'll make one more point about Zaire. I mean, the one thing... You know, Shake Milton was a great story last year. He came out of nowhere and he started and he was okay. He shot well, but he's horrible at defense. He is so, so bad at defense despite his length. And you don't know why. And assuming him and Maxie will probably be the backup one and two. I don't know how they're going to work that out. I don't know. I mean, Dwight's a good backup center, but you need to, I don't know. I want defense on my second unit. And I think Zaire could have slotted in nicely at, instead of Cork Maz at the three, maybe, or maybe taking, splitting some minutes with a guy like Shake. I, I don't know. I just, I don't understand the trade. I don't really, maybe it is so we can make some kind of trade in the future, but I don't really think we should look to do that. We already saw how that worked out when we tried acquiring a star. We got Jimmy Butler and that sent us, you know, 10 years forward, but 20 years back. Right. Um, I'd rather stick to the roster we have now. I think it's constructed very well, and I don't really see making major changes as a way to improving this team, unless it's a way to get rid of Tobias. Right, I, and that would be my priority number one, by the way. And going really quickly to what you said, Shea Millen, yeah, he had, he had a tough time as a defender, but he also went from basically strictly playing in the G League to all of a sudden guarding NBA guys in a span of like 20 games and an offseason, like a mini offseason in between it. So. We'll see what he does, given a little bit more time off now that he's he's defended NBA players in the playoffs. He does have the length. He doesn't have quite the athleticism. The athleticism is never going to change. So his issue will always be guys will blow by him if they're faster. But with Danny Green, because I assume Shake Milton will play with Danny Green at some point, even though he is the backup, or even Tyrese Maxey, he's going to be guarding the worst perimeter player, and he's probably going to be defending the second unit guys who are less talented on offense than the starting guys. So even though I think Shake might start for this team and long-term I hope he starts for this team because I, be- I believe in his creation ability and I believe it's an ability to shoot with that right now. I like, I actually think it slots a lot more nicely as a backup point guard, maybe getting some spot starts here and there as he adjusts to the NBA even more. 
considering how raw he was just ever so recently. But yeah, so I think I'm not really too worried about Shake's backup defense. Like if he's if he can't guard Anthony Simons of the world, like I'm not really too concerned. So we will see how that goes. But we, I mentioned priority number one would be trading for Tobias Harris. John Wall was just mentioned as a guy who has requested a trade out of Washington. The GM today denied that, but GMs always deny it because they want trade value. So I think it's very possible John Wall did. I, I don't know why you'd want to play on Washington anyway, if you're anybody. But if John Wall requested a trade, I do think that ruins their leverage a little bit. We're a team that doesn't have a ton of leverage because we have the terrible Tobias contract. So I'll just ask it straight up. Would you trade Tobias Harris for John Wall? No. No, I wouldn't even consider it. I mean, look, when John Wall was healthy, I had John Wall ahead of Kyrie. You know, I had John Wall ahead of Dame at the time. I really like John Wall. I think he's a true point guard who can score. I think his shooting game was, you know, improving as the years went on. And then the injury happened. Um, And it's not even just the injury. You know, you don't want to trade for a guy who's probably going to miss half of the games. But again, with that locker room thing, I, I don't know. From the reports I saw, I don't know if this guy wants to play basketball anymore or if he's just happy getting his $40 million a year to sit on his couch. And at the same time, this guy does not slot in well next to Ben Simmons. I mentioned his shooting was improving, but it's still not reliable. And his real biggest asset was his playmaking ability, at least on offense. Great defender. But I don't know. I think he's just going to cannibalize Ben Simmons' game. Um I don't really see him bringing much. And while Tobias hasn't been a perfect fit, his contract, his contract's a bit smaller than Wall's, isn't it? And it's a year longer. I It will grow to be larger than Wall's, but it is longer. So I think Tobias is definitely the worst contract in my opinion. I also think John Wall, I, I'll, I'll get to it, but I also think uh, John Wall's a better player. So do you want to continue on? This? It's not because of the position. It's not because he's a point guard. If, if, you know, if it was Dame Lillard and Dame Lillard was hurt for the last two years, I would say, yeah, that's a guy who pairs really nice to Ben Simmons. We take the risk. But I don't think the risk that John Wall brings, one, of never playing another game, two, of pretty much just getting in the way of what Ben Simmons does, I don't know. I don't really know what he does for this offense. Now, defensively, that's an insane backcourt. So really quickly, I was pulling it off as you were talking about this, uh, and this is the comparison I made before. So let me let me just ask first, how did you feel about when Jimmy Butler was on the Sixers in terms of a fit with him and Ben Simmons and just the rest of the team? I like I love Jimmy Butler. You know, I love his personality. I love the tenacity he brings. Great defender, can do a little bit of everything. But I didn't think that was the guy we should have traded for. I didn't I honestly at the time thought the Tobias trade was a bit better. Looking back, obviously I was wrong, but I think Ben Simmons has the potential to be the best player in the league. And I don't think I'll that about like a guy like Joel. And I think to make Ben Simmons that best player in the league, you got to make a system like Milwaukee. And I don't think Jimmy Butler really would feed into this, the ideal system that I see. So if we're not going to be able to do, look, you know me, if I could, I would trade Cat for Embiid straight up. I just think it would make Ben Simmons wow. incredible. But if we can't get a stretch five, I don't know. I just want a pure shooter at two, three, and four. And I think that's what we're getting to this year. So I'll go really quickly. So we disagree. So this is actually pretty good. I would in a heartbeat trade John Wall for or trade Tobias for John Wall. And it's not because I'm move happy. I'm not because of whatever. I think Tobias Harris is just an awful player. He 
he shits the bed every year in the postseason. He does absolutely nothing. He's not good on defense. He doesn't shoot, even though he's a good three-point percentage, he doesn't shoot a high three-point percentage volume. When you look at John Wall, if you compare his stats, uh, even in his most recent season, to Jimmy Butler's stats when he was on the Sixers, I was not a huge fan of the Jimmy Butler and just the rest of the team fit, but I like Jimmy Butler a hell of a lot more than I like Tobias Harris. So when you look at John Wall's last stats from his last, even if you just combined his last two healthy seasons to give him a full game sample size, it is, they're actually just better than Jimmy Butler's like across the board, his three point percentage, Jimmy Butler's not a good three point shooter. It's actually uh, Jimmy Butler shoots 338. And then across the last two seasons, John Wall shot 336, but Wall actually shot a higher volume of threes. So He's a more willing shooter. He shoots just about the same percentage. He's a better passer than Jimmy Butler was. He's still a good defender. It's just you're taking the risk. He, he might be just awful coming off the Achilles. Who knows? He might be terrible. He might be out of the league in a few years. He might just be a terrible contract. But for me, Tobias Harris is already an awful contract. So I don't mind taking the gamble on a John Wall and you using him in the same way you use Jimmy Butler. I think this team, Ben Simmons, he usually defends fours anyway. Obviously, you lose the versatilities if they have a really good four and a really good three who you'd put them on because then you're running a pretty small lineup at, at that point. But I think John Wall could actually fit a lot better than people have. The reason I brought up those two guys and you, I, I respect your, your stand on it because you said how you didn't like Jimmy Butler with Ben Simmons. And I think if you didn't like Jimmy Butler with Ben Simmons, you should probably not like John Wall with Ben Simmons, but it, I like John Wall better than I liked, uh, or I like Jimmy Butler better than I like Tobias Harris and John Wall's closer to that Jimmy Butler fit than the Tobias Harris fit. They're very similar, like I said, in the numbers. And just Jimmy Butler was playing a lot of point guard for us because we didn't have a true point guard, really. So John Wall would be playing that that role. And I I think he would just do way better than than uh, Tobias would in that role. I think he up raises our ceiling. Tobias Harris, like I said, he, he disappears every offseason or every time in the postseason. So I'm, I don't really think we're losing anything there. And at the very least, if it was straight up, I would add additional assets to it. But if it was straight up, then you're – you lose a year of Tobias's contract at the very least, and it's more palatable contract. So we will see. I, I don't, I don't think they're going to do it because it's a little weird. I think we have built this team around Ben and Joel. So it'd be a little weird to acquire John wall, but I still would hundred percent do it. If it were on the table, we will see what the wizards value wall. We will see if he's actually on the trade block, but I think that's an interesting, interesting uh, subject on whether we should trade for Sixers Mania ran a poll. I think most people said yes, but there were a ton of people that were like, hell no, why would I do that? For the same reasons that you mentioned, which I, I agree with. Like he might not, he might not be good at basketball in, in a few years. Who knows? So that's my thought on that. And then speaking of trades, we kind of have been mentioning how this is more built around Simmons and Embiid. Would you trade Ben Simmons for James Harden? Just because since the last time we talked, James Harden has, or last time I did a podcast, James Harden has since requested a trade. There's been a ton of links between the Sixers and the Rockets, but it appears that James Harden, he's solely focused on the Nets. Maybe the Rockets are just using the Sixers as leverage. Tillman Fertitta's son has been liking a ton of tweets about Ben Simmons coming to the Rockets. It seems that there is interest in there. We could definitely top the, the package. If we offer Ben Simmons, we can top Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen. But what are your thoughts on trading Ben Simmons? We'll just say straight up once again, Ben Simmons straight up for James Harden. Well, I'll start with if I'm Houston, I take that in a heartbeat. And I know they won't, but they should. 100 percent agree, by the way. I'm really torn on that. Cause I mean, I I love Harden. I mean, I know people regard Harden as a great player, you know, MVP caliber, but I, I love Harden. I think he's 
I'll take him over Dwayne Wade, and I, I won't argue about that right now. But the stats would agree with you on that one. I mean, I, I think it's very close, but it's closer than people acknowledge because if you if you hate on D Wade on the internet, you just get shit on because everyone loves D Wade. Who doesn't like even when he was on Miami on the big three, everyone loved D Wade. So yeah, I mean, but Harden might be better. A Sixers fan, there's those three guys between Wade, Iverson, and Kobe. You say one bad thing about any of them, and you're done. Oh my god! Yeah, and I say bad things about two of the three, so it's really, really troubling for me. So, yeah, I, I'm well and, aware of that. And you know what? Maybe it's just we grew up in this analytics era, and you know, I'm a big stats guy, and that just wasn't the game back then. You know, they didn't have to be as efficient. But you just look at Harden's numbers, and you say, "Oh my god, how do you compare him to a guy like?" I'll use Iverson instead, but the efficiency is just not there and the scoring is better on Harvin's end. Defensively, Iverson surprisingly is probably a bit better. I, at this point, I don't know. James Harden has a bad rap up for he's, he's been good. On defense. Like recently he's been amazing on yeah. defense. Well, not like stellar, but for the fact that he was the worst defender in the league and now he's like, I, I, he's a good defender now. It's, it's crazy. I think, and he's got the size that Iverson did, but that, that's a debate for another time. I would love to have it. We could do that later in the offseason. but I don't care. But, uh, with James Harden too, you mentioned his his incredible efficiency. Daryl Morey called him the greatest scorer of all time. So there's clearly interest. He's now Daryl Morey's now our GM. There's clearly interest in in James Harden. Who knows what he thinks about Ben Simmons though? That is the question. But going back to James Harden too, um, just yeah, just incredible scorer. And when you look at his numbers, like he he's a great passer too. I mean, even I test would tell you that too. Not just the assist numbers, great passer. So he basically does everything Ben Simmons does, except he is shorter, less athletic, and He's, but, but he does shoot three. He's one of the best three shooters in the league, not in terms of percentage, but he just shoots so many of them. He gets so many shots. He gets fouled when he does it. He gets fouled going to the line. Like he's, he's an amazing player. All stats would indicate he's one of, he's like a top stats would indicate he is a top three player in the league. Whether you not you think that is a different question. I don't think he is, but anyway, I forget if you said, it. would you trade Simmons for Harden? I've been trying to avoid this question. So here's, First, I'll talk about it's it's hard for me to make a judgment call on this. The people who are saying trading Ben Simmons for Harden ruins our championship window. It makes it so small. Our championship window with Ben and Joel isn't going to be the eight, nine years you think it is because Joel is not going to be the same player in five years. So you put a guy whose prime is obviously going to be shorter than a regular superstar in Joel Embiid with a guy who's, you know, in his mid to late prime with Harden. That's probably the best shot we'll have at a championship going forward. On the other hand, I am of the camp that I'd rather have Simmons than Embiid. And most people probably won't agree with that. If it were me, I'm not doing this trade because I'm building this team around Ben Simmons because I think Ben Simmons can be the best player in the league where I don't think Joel can. But if you're of the camp that Joel Embiid is the guy to keep, yeah, this is the trade you make because this gives us the best shot at a championship. So I'll give it a caveat. If you're an Embiid guy, make the trade. If you're a Simmons guy, you, well, obviously, if you're a Simmons guy, you're going to want to keep Ben Simmons, but okay. I'm not making the trade. That, that's interesting for me. So I would, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of both players and not just in terms of I'm a fan. I think they're both severely undervalued. I love them coming out of college. I, I think shooting gets a little overrated in the NBA. Like when you look at LeBron, he's not a top 25 shooter in the league, but he's the best player by far. Uh, Giannis, similar thing now. Shot creation, he's similar with Ben Simmons, where the shot creation kind of becomes an issue in the playoffs. But most people would say then that Giannis Adetokounmpo is a top five player in the league. So, with that being said, 
even though I would I would lean towards I'm an Embiid guy, if we were to trade one, I would much prefer to trade Simmons. But even though, with that being said, I would not make this trade. I think people are losing their minds over this. If you think we are close to winning a championship, I agree with you. We should make the trade. But I don't, like, we're not going to win a championship the next year. We're probably not going to win the year after, would be my guess. So with that being said, I mean, anything's possible. A huge leap could happen. But if you do it for James Harden, like, who's making a huge leap there? Shake Milton? So we will see that. But my argument would be James Harden is currently 31. You wouldn't expect James Harden to be the best player on a championship team when he's like 34, 35. So you're basically giving yourself a two-year window where he's still like in his somewhat prime and Joel's also in his prime. I agree with your sentiment that the window with Embiid and Simmons might not be as long as people think it is, but it's undeniably longer than two years. It's just, I think the issue there is, do they even have a two-year window? Are they talented enough to be the best player in a championship, one of them to be a best player on championship team. You seem to think so. I think one of them can be, we will see how that progresses, but I, I'm in agreement with you. I wouldn't make the trade. I'm saying this as an Embiid guy. I just think we're not, we're not that close right now. And we only probably have two years at it. And the big thing that no, nobody seems to be talking about, James Harden's a free agent in two years. So if he really is that fixated on going to the nets, like he could leave in two years once he's done with the Sixers. So I think it's just, very irresponsible to make that trade. I think it's not the no-brainer people are making it out to be. I know the media loves to break up Simmons and Embiid. And while I agree, they might not be the most perfect fit together, it's undeniably, I think it's just stupid. Like, keep the, like, why do we have to go all in now? We're not quite there. Like, are you going to tell me, what, Tobias Harris is the third best player on a championship team, that Seth Curry is going to be that? Like, we don't have a LeBron. I guess you could say that, like, Danny Green was last year. But we don't have that that kind of talent. We're not that top heavy as the Lakers or some of these other teams. I think that they could make some noise in the East right now, and I think they're presently constructed pretty well. But we need to save everything to get a third star, a real third star, not Tobias Harris, in that spot. And I don't think James Harden's doing it. Obviously, if you could do James Harden without giving up one of those two, do literally whatever it takes. You could trade Max, you could trade Shake, you could trade whatever, all the all the picks. Do that. That team would have an idea of contention but currently that that's not happening with just James Harden being out of this team and furthermore we don't we mentioned like Scott might be getting playing time we don't have a ton of guys that are that can defend big guys like relatively big the guy the best guy at defending forwards on this team is Ben Simmons there's not even a close second it's Tobias Harris for some reason we have so many guards on this team we've added a ton of guards after having zero guards but we added Seth Curry we added Tyrese Maxey we added Isaiah Joe we added Danny Green we didn't have that previously. Even Terrence Ferguson, you could argue, is a guard, even though I think we'll be playing some four. But Moss, same thing. We have so many guards on this team that why would we – if we trade James Harden, we'd have to acquire a forward of some sort that can actually defend forwards, unlike Tobias Harris. So I just I just think it would be a dumb trade is all I'm saying. James Harden's undeniably great, but every year in the postseason, he falls apart. And at some point, Ben Simmons has had those issues too. But one year, it was the Jimmy Butler cannibalizing his game, as I would agree with. I mean, that's what you said about John Wall. I think the same point could be made about Jimmy Butler did that another year this year, he didn't play in the postseason, and his first year, he was a rookie. So what are we really expecting there? So I think Ben Simmons has potential to be great in the playoffs. He's already a great defender where James Harden has proved year in year out that his game just fundamentally falls apart. He stops getting the bullshit calls that he always tries to go for. He stops getting fouled on three pointers. He stops getting fouled every time he drives to the rim and his confidence is just seems to be shot because the shots don't go in as much because he forces more and he's not getting the calls. It appears that his game just fundamentally doesn't work in the playoffs. And for that reason, would not be a fan of James Harden on this team. Yeah. I mean, look, 
when you evaluate what the Nets offer actually is, there's a possibility, yeah, maybe we can put an offer together without Ben Simmons that rivals that. I mean, maybe they still want to compete and maybe they take Tobias, then they take Matisse, Maxi, Milton, and four years of picks, and you, you maybe that's better than the Nets. I think the salaries would work. But I just – I don't know. I still am of the belief Ben Simmons can be the best player in the league. When you have a guy like that, I don't think you trade him. So moving on to that, we talk, I talked about how close they are to a championship right now. What do you think about this team as it is currently constructed? That's an interesting question because I am of the camp that believes that last season's postseason isn't a good indicator of what's going to happen this season. Um, I think the long break really benefited older teams. Now we saw Miami, a young team come out. Um, A lot of people have been saying that Miami, you know, benefited from the bubble. And I don't really understand that. I mean, yeah, there are young teams, the lack of fans might help, but if anything, I think they would be primed to go right after a long regular season. And I think Miami is a team that could shock you and go, go out of the East again. I wouldn't say that they're um, necessarily talk- a young team, though. Real, just really quickly on that, because their best players last year were were Drogic, Butler, and Bam in some order in terms of how they played in the bubble. Drogic and Jimmy are a bit old. Obviously, Duncan and Hero and Bam are all young, but they're two, two of their three best players were old, and they were and maybe the time off did help. And as Jimmy Butler has mentioned, he gets like two hours of sleep a day. Maybe he'd win a championship if he got more sleep. Who knows? But I, I don't know. I'm just evaluating the other teams. I don't think the Bucs got significantly better as they're being made out to be. I love Drew Holiday. I mean, I have a soft spot for him just from his time here. You know, he was the first all-star that I got to see from this team. Not a real all-star. but Yeah, and I'll jump in on the Bucs really quickly. You mentioned Drew Holiday. The Bogdan trade falling through definitely hurts because he was a good shot creator. He, he was great. They added Bobby Portis and DJ Augustin, who I – I like DJ Augustin. I'm not sure about Bobby Portis on a contending team. He kind of plays like an idiot sometimes. Uh, the Drew Holiday trade, though, they gave up way too much for Drew Holiday. He's marginally better than Eric Bledsoe. So the people that are making it like, oh, my God, they've revamped their starting lineup. I'm sure they're slightly better. And Bledsoe falls apart every time in the postseason. But, like, Drew Holiday doesn't reach the postseason because he's been the best player on a bad team for a while. So I think it's it's – just an incredible gamble if it's the price of getting Giannis I guess or of keeping Giannis I guess it's not too high but I do think I still think the Bucks are better than us but I do think people are maybe overrating how much better they got this offseason and the reason I keep talking about the other teams is I want to make the point that it's not that I think our team's amazing but look back to 2017-2018 when we beat the Heat in the first round of the playoffs and lost 4-1 to the Celtics with a rookie Ben Simmons and a what? I mean, a Joel Embiid, who had how many regular season games to his name? Like 70, 80? Yeah, uh, yeah, not a lot. I mean, the big thing was everyone after the first year was mentioning how he only played 31 games this year prior. So I forget how many he played in year two. But yeah, we definitely were inexperienced then. Yeah. And then you had a guy, you had Rocco, J.J. Redick, and Saric. And I mean, T.J. McConnell started like one playoff game for some reason. But... I don't know. He won us that playoff game, though, is all I'll say. Single-handedly energized us. (laughs) That's true. But um, I don't know. We weren't that far off. Like, we really played well against, again, a young Celtics team, but they still had – Yeah, I mean, that team went – they went game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals. They almost represented the East in the finals that year, and they probably would have gotten – they would have got their asses beat by the Warriors. But still, that was – 
hypothetically a team that could have reached the finals. It was a weaker year, but the Celtics might be as weak as they were back then currently with the loss of Gordon Hayward. Tatum's obviously a little bit better, but just the the general pieces were probably better on that other team than they are now with their top end guys being a little bit better, but the rest being a little bit worse. Yeah, that's my point. I don't think that this team is that far off from at least reaching the finals. I mean, the team that I think this conference runs through it's probably the Nets, and I hate to say that. I completely agree, and I think people are sleeping on the – like, obviously, guys don't come back from an Achilles, but, like, Durant wasn't this guy who was extremely reliant on athleticism. We've seen Dominique, who was extremely reliant on athleticism, come back from a torn Achilles. We didn't see Kobe do it, but Kobe was 35. Like, I, he was extremely old when he was doing it. Kevin Durant, like, even if he's just a better version of, like, Dirk Nowitzki, that's still an incredible player right there with a loss of potential athleticism he's been given so much time off i think he's going to be fine Kyrie, everyone shits on him nobody likes Kyrie in the whole world but he's just an undervalued player he puts up nearly the same stats as damian lillard like when you look at his statistics he's a great player and kd loves him and that's really the only player that matters who likes him because as long as they get along together we'll see how long that lasts but i completely agree with you i actually think the nets i think the nets are going to be a one or a two seed i think people are vastly underrating them they're just going to come in guys like lavert are great even if they don't make any more trades Lavert, Dinwiddie, those guys are just capable of ball handlers. They just added Shamit. We're familiar with how good Shamit can be. They have a great team. Now, we might match up well because we do have Simmons who we could put on KD, and we do have Embiid who owns Jared Allen. But that team, I still think the Nets are just going to be – I think the Nets are going to be incredible. And then I think the Bucks. I think the Bucks and the Nets, you have to say, are definitely the one and two seed, in my opinion. I think those guys – or at least, at least the best two teams in the East. Maybe the Nets don't get there because they're resting people. I think they're definitely going to be the two. They're going to be the two teams to beat for us. Yeah. If you put a gun to my head and said, how is the Eastern conference going to shape up? I'd probably tell you, I think Boston's going to have a great regular season. I don't know if they will be the one seed, but I think it'll be probably Milwaukee, Boston, the Nets, us. I, I just, where I think the, the Raptors. Are yeah. Where do you oh. have the heat? Yeah. No, I have the heat. I probably have us at five then. Oh, I would say we're I a four probably... seed because I think, I think my guess would be, I actually, I, I mentioned Jimmy Butler being a fraud. I think the heat are frauds, honestly, like Duncan Robinson turned into Clay Thompson last year. I do have faith in Duncan Robinson, but he, he, he got, he was incredible. Goran Dragic has not been relevant for like five years until this year when he was like carrying the heat through playoff games. You would expect our hero to get better. You would expect Bam Adebayo to get better. And they were incredible last year. But I just they lost they lost Crowder. He Crowder became a volume three shooter who was hitting forty percent of his threes on them. I don't think Iguodala is going to turn into that guy. I think they're going to be slightly worse. I, they're, I you mentioned them being a young team. I think Butler just is due to fall off with the amount of just a finals run is so fatiguing too. And they you saw Jimmy Butler. He was about to pass out that one game when he was carrying them. He carried them to a win. Like I think they're I think they're due to fall off. So that would be my like surprise to pick them. But I do think we're and we might be a five seed. I could see all four of those teams finishing ahead of us, but I agree with you. I think we're probably like a, a four, maybe a three. But I don't think any team in the East is significantly better than us because the one team I think significantly better than us is the Nets, but I think that team has even more questions than we do. I mean, yeah, they're complete questions. Like they could, I mentioned how incredible I think they're going to be, but like they could be like the, the, six seed like maybe Durant is a shell of himself maybe Kyrie blows up the locker room Dinwiddie appeared to hate playing with him who knows they're they're a huge question mark but I think they're going to be incredible 
Yeah, I agree with you. I agree about the locker room. Um, I don't think they have a good big man. Um, I don't know if that's a hot take or not, that I don't think Jared Allen's no, very it's, good. It's not a hot take. He sucks. I'll say it too. Yeah, okay. I, I'm a big person who believes the locker room is more important than it's given credit for. And I really do think that if guys like Lavert and Didwitty can't buy in to this, we're playing, we're surrounding these guys. This is not our team anymore. Like it was two years ago. Like we're not this team. That's all about hustle. We got our stars now that team could blow up, but just the amount of sheer talent that big, that big two is ridiculous. I mean, that's a top five play, top three player in my opinion, at least. And then a fringe top 10 guy. And you don't really see that in the East. I mean, the box number two is Middleton and I don't know. Middleton's maybe. A I top think you could argue five. it's actually Drew Holiday. Like now we'll see people are, people love guys when they start going to winning teams. I do think Middleton's currently better though. Like, but yeah, but it, I guess it could be Drew Holiday and they really were just so desperate of shot creation, which Middleton doesn't provide and Drew Holiday does. Yeah. I mean, I think the Raptors not to call them frauds, but I don't think pass that great. Okay, good. Okay. Like, listen, I know Pascal Siakam, like for all the shit Ben Simmons gets in the in the postseason, I know Pascal Siakam won a ring. I'm well aware of that. He sucked in every playoff series he plays in. He does the same fucking spin move. He does it on the worst <laughs> players. He'll do it on like Daniel Tice and he'll be like, whoa, I wasn't fouled. Like, what the hell? He is so uncoordinated, uncoordinated. He can't dribble. He can barely shoot. He's a good defender. He's a great regular season player. But when you get in the postseason, that team's best player is by far Kyle Lowry. How far can that team really go? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if you told us as long as we don't match up with Boston, I think we can win any playoff series is my opinion. Boston, that team's our Achilles heel. Um, We just get, I mean, it'll be interesting with Doc Rivers, but we just got outcoached every time. Yeah. People, people, I mean, people don't really consider this when they talk about Boston. We like, obviously we look terrible, but we, we did not have Ben Simmons for a single game in that series. And we had nobody who could defend Tatum. So you add one of the best defenders in the league, you put him on Tatum. Maybe it changes the series a little bit. I think we match up way better when Simmons and Joel play, but I do agree. They, I mean, obviously they've, they've just killed us over the past few years, but we did sweep the season series with them. And I think we're both in agreement that this team is better than last year's team. Uh, we swept them in the regular season when we won uh, two or three games to zero over them. But I think we would both agree that this team's slightly better just because they fit together and we will see who knows. Was it opening day when we shot a ridiculous percentage from three against them? I don't know because that game was extremely low scoring, but maybe we, I mean, it's, it's a, probably I mean, not. we started off pretty high. Oh, no, I'm, thinking I'm thinking about the box, but yeah. Yeah. The Christmas day uh, game. Yeah. 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 We were ridiculous that day. Though the first game against yeah. Boston, we won because they missed all their free throws. Like, and you know, that doesn't really happen. They shot like 60% of the line with good free throw shooters, but I, I don't know. I think, for me, going back to my feelings on this, I think – I really do think the East is pretty open. I do think that my pick right now would be the Nets. But I guess I could see the Sixers coming out of it. But And I mentioned how I don't think we're close to a championship team in the Harden segment of this. But that's my point. I think whoever comes out of the West is going to smoke us because I think it's going to be the Clippers. I think it's going to – or it's going to be the Lakers. The, the Lakers are just a better version of us, and they got better from last year. They added Schroeder. They added Gasol. They added uh, Wes Matthews. Like they're just a better team, even though they lost Danny Green to White Howard. And the Clippers, yeah, I still I, think, are just immensely talented. I mean, if I'm Daryl Morey, I look at it like this. The guys who run the league right now are 
there's this is a very talented era of basketball. We have we've had the privilege of witnessing some great players, you know, some guys who maybe if they played in the past would have been like the guy. But they're all old or injury prone. I mean, when we're talking about LeBron's what, 35, Curry's yeah. injury prone, and he's like what, 31, 32. I mean, look at Clay Thompson. Yeah, in terms of young Clay, stars, it's it's really just Giannis and Luca in terms of the surefire guys. And then like the second tier guys would probably be the Simmons, Tatum, Embiid, all those other guys. But like we not, didn't have a 2003, we haven't had a 2003 draft class. Like, yeah, like 2014, you got like CJ McCollum and Giannis, I guess. But like, and uh, what's his face? The big guy. What, 2013 Rudy. Gobert? Yeah. Or was it 2013? We yeah, 2014 was the, was the shit Wiggins, Jabari, Embiid, and then Jokic was drafted in the second round there. But yeah, our, the best draft is probably the one that we fucked up the most in terms of the year that Tatum, Mitchell, and, and Fox all got drafted. But yeah, no, there's definitely not been an influx of talent in recent years in terms of just surefire Hall of Famers. Yeah, exactly. I think the talent isn't coming in as quickly as it's going out. So I think our window is going to be in like three, four years. I think that's when we're going to see the Clippers are, well, the Clippers will not be the same team in two years, in my opinion. The Clippers but, might not have Kawhi and Paul George. They're, I think they're both, they both have a player option for this year. So they might be, they might be one yeah. of the worst teams in the league. If those guys leave, then they don't have their first round picks and they're going to be fucked. I, I think OKC knows what's up and dude, they just have 80 first round picks in the next two years and they're just going to draft every player and see what sticks. But, and the Pelicans, same thing. They just have every pick from now on. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you in terms of the influx of talent. We haven't had those great drafts. The past two drafts weren't even great either. Last year did have Zion, which we'll see if he can even hold up through an entire season. And it did have John Morant, who I have a ton of faith in. But that's really it. And uh, the year before, Luca, I guess. But like, who's the next best player? Like Aiton? I don't, I don't know. I don't have a ton of faith in Aiton. So, you know, we'll see. I, I'm sure there's someone better than I'm blanking on currently, but... But yeah, I, I agree with your general point that like our window would probably be to get two or three years when our guys are the guys that start running the league rather than like, you know, some of these guys are going to start falling off soon. LeBron at one point, as much as I love the man, he's going to fall off sometime soon. Same with uh, Harden, as mentioned. Uh, I won't even mention Seth's brother. He's already fallen off, but <laughs> you know. But I mean, if we're, if we're being serious, like, let's look at the landscape of the league in two years. I mean, the Lakers are then 80s team, but like, who is he surrounded with? Right. I mean, obviously they do whatever free agent they want, but. Yeah, it seems like most, you know, like this was the easiest time LeBron's ever had getting guys to come to a team for chief. It's like, oh, you want to play in LA for one of the best teams in the league? Like, sure. Where do I sign up? Well, I'll take a discount. So yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you, but I do think, but going back to the general point, we're going to get smoked, but if we got to the finals, we'd get smoked by any team that comes out of the West, in my opinion. And I think it's possible the Nets could smoke us, and we just have some teams that are our kryptonite. But I do think we could hang with any of Miami, Boston. I, I'm not sure about the Bucs. I think the Bucs probably beat us. They seem to crush us all the time, but we always, for some reason, don't seem to be at full strength. I'm not talking about injuries, but it's like, oh, we played them on like our – we just played a back-to-back outside of like Christmas Day, which I'm not saying Christmas Day was the sample that you should look at, but like – we always just seem to be not at it. It was like, oh, Ben Simmons, we're rushing him back from an injury. Or Joel Embiid, like, he's not playing. Like, it, there's so many games against the Bucs that I don't feel like we've ever gotten a strong matchup in, in terms of both teams being 100%. So who knows? But they probably kick our ass, too. Who knows? I, I just – that's not the team I fear. 
it's the Celtics and the Raptors for whatever reason. Those those two super well coached teams with all of these positionless guys, we can't seem to figure it out. But with I mean, not that the Bucks. I mean, terrible against shot creators though. So that's why that's why I really think it is with like Jason Tatum, like. We're, we're terrible. Like, I feel like those shots just always go in. Same with Cam Buck. We can't defend a pick and roll against a guard, at least. Like, he'll just go into the paint or he'll get a mid-range every time, and we just can't really stop it. Maybe Danny Green helps. Maybe Matisse gets a little bit better this year. Who knows? I think we can beat the Bucs. Not that I think we would. I think we can. I cannot see us ever beating the Celtics in a seven-game series with our current roster. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll be surprised, and Seth Curry will, you know, start being able to make, like, fade away off the dribble threes and Danny green. will go back to like 2015 Danny green, but I'll say we could beat a Minnesota game series. I'm going to disagree with you there. I, I think I, I know it's just so hard and we just hate Boston more than any team. Uh, there's the huge Philly Boston rivalry, which is somehow a rivalry, even though they're only in our division, in like one of the major sports, but still it's, I, I do think we can beat them. I know we hate Boston more than any other team. We always get pissed. Every Boston game, we're anxious. We can't believe when Jimmy Butler hit that one shot and JJ Redick hit that shot in that regular season game against the against the Celtics. That felt like it was like a Super Bowl at that point. It was like, oh my God, we actually <laughs> beat the Boston team. But I think we just need to play them with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and we'll, we'll be fine. This team's better than it was last year. We now have a guy who can defend Kemba Walker in, in uh, Danny Green and then we could have Simmons on Tatum. That would neutralize those two guys a lot. And we just have a more functional, modern basketball team. We have a team that shoots threes. We, we're one of the worst volume teams. We might be one of the highest volume teams next year. Not just because Daryl Morey loves when their guys shoot threes, but because he acquired guys that shoot threes. So we will see how that goes. I, you know, it's, it's still early. Teams can make moves. There might be some trades. But as it stacks up right now, I do think we can compete with almost anybody in the East. Does it really matter? Because I think we're going to get smoked in the West. Maybe not. But we've seen the one time where I thought any team that went against that Warriors dynasty was going to get smoked. And then they lost Clay Thompson. They lost Kevin Durant and then the Raptors just won easily. So I guess it's always a risk worth trying for. Maybe LeBron tweaks an ankle, but you shouldn't bet on a guy getting injured to win a championship, but it does happen. Injuries happen almost every year. Playing in the finals is so hard. They play grueling minutes every night. There's a bunch of seven game series. It wears on the guy's bodies, especially these older guys that you mentioned. So with that being said, I assume the Nets are going to be incredible. I think it's going to be Nets-Lakers as it stacks up at this point. But I think they can hang with anybody. The Bucks might give us some trouble. But the Celtics, he, even if they finish higher than us, I'm not really worried about them. If I had to put money on it, I'd probably agree with you. But I'd be honest, I'd love to see a Clippers-Nets finals. The amount of just hate between that series. So those are the... I mean, I don't hate Kawhi and I don't hate Paul George, but most people do. And I don't think you can. I feel like people love Kawhi. I feel like Kawhi, like Kawhi shit the bed in the playoffs and everyone's blaming Paul George. And it's like, you look at their stats against the Nuggets, they had identical stats. And, and Paul George got all this. I know Paul, uh, Kawhi was incredible in round one, but they, who did they play in round one? The, oh, the Mavericks. Like they should have beaten the Mavericks. So like, I'm not really impressed when a, when a team goes off against, like, I'm not going to point to like Giannis's stats against the Magic and be like, oh my God, he's incredible. Like, I'm going to point to the teams that actually matter, even though Giannis is incredible. But I feel like Kawhi gets a pass just from that one championship run where he played injured Warriors in the finals. But, you know, I, I agree with you. There would be so much hate. People still hate KD. I don't know who – you mentioned that series to me. I guess I'd be rooting for the Clippers in there, but it wouldn't be enthusiastic about it because, for me, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a huge Kawhi guy. I like Paul George, but he does fall apart in the postseason every time. 
recently at least he was great on the Pacers and then everyone hates Kyrie I still like Kyrie but I can never forgive KD for going to the Warriors so like I don't know who I'd be rooting for I would just I'd be rooting for everyone to fall apart and for a bunch of games to go like 79 to 80. Yeah I mean I think I, I the, my favorite player out of anyone there is probably Lou Well so like I'd probably root for the Clippers yeah but I'm maybe. not even a huge Lou Well guy I like Levert and Dinwiddie always... but oh, that's true I love Dinwiddie I, I really thought Dean Winnie would be a sixer at some point. He just I thought I thought of him guys. for I mentioned this on our trade podcast. I thought him for Josh made a lot of sense, but once they started talking for James Harden, I, I think you'd rather have Dinwiddie to start because if they trade James Harden, they would be starting from a blank slate. I think Dinwiddie kind of became off the table once they started talking in those because the Rockets, I would imagine, would prefer Dinwiddie to Josh Richardson. But I think like for this team specifically, Josh Richardson would have made a ton of sense for them outside of uh if we did that swap, but I'm glad we got, I'm glad we got Seth Curry's a way better shooter than, than Dinwiddie would have still preferred Dinwiddie because I think he's a better player, but, but Seth Curry's a great shooter. So pretty satisfied with our off season still has more to go, but um, anyway, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. You have any other uh, final thoughts on the Sixers thing or, or are we good here? No, I think I'm good. That was a great time. Um, hopefully they're good because the Eagles fucking suck. Yeah, that's how I feel. Luckily, I'm not an Eagles fan, but uh, I I <laughs> I imagine there's going to be a huge amount of pressure on the Sixers to be good this year. And I think a lot of people are irrationally talking themselves into the Sixers winning a championship. When in reality, my final thoughts are this. Even though I like what we did, we have traded better players and assets for worse players that just fit better. Like, that's so yeah. this team is less talented than we were last year. As much as we hate on Al Horford, he's better than Danny Green from a straight talent perspective. If you were starting on a blank slate, for to build a contender you'd prefer Al Horford or maybe that's for me it was I know it's so hard to look at what he did last year and say that but he's really just the same guy he just can't play with Joel Embiid and can't play with Ben Simmons same with Josh Richardson if you're starting blank slate as we mentioned before I'd rather have Josh Richardson than Seth Curry so Maxie's going to be a huge x-factor for this team Joe's going to be an x-factor in terms of just how good are they? If they can come in and contribute right away, that's an extra rotation player we didn't have before. Maybe we can throw them in a trade if they look good and we can acquire a star that we wouldn't have had any chance of getting prior to having two guys that look like young stars. So that's going to wrap it up for me. Brett, thank you for joining me. And this has been the Sixers Mania podcast. Thank you for listening. Until next time.